The thing about all those white centers in our design is that we can take in other people's stuff and start to make decisions from that place. And so it's really important to become aware of them so we aren't making decisions from other people's emotions, other people's stress, other people's like sense of identity, willpower, any of that. So by understanding those open centers, we can make sure that we're like, we can feel those things and learn from those things, but not actually guide our life based on those things. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Welcome back. Hello, everybody. Good to see you. Nice to meet you. Welcome back to Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay Simsick, and this is my co-host, Krista Williams. Greetings. And uh, we're feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling good. Just wanted to say that out loud. TGIF. TGIF, baby. We're recording this, you know, a week out from when this comes out, but TGIF, um, we're coming off of being in New York, which is, which was so fun and energizing and depleting. Yeah. I had the reminder though, I'm like, I think I would be further if I was in New York because the amount of people and meetings we had, it doesn't happen like that in LA. I think there's like benefits to both. I think in LA, there's like percolation that happens yeah. that's beneficial. Yeah. But then in New York, literally, I think what we had four meetings in the span of four hours, mm-hmm. but we had to travel in between. We were like late to all of them. Was, I was, was delightful. Sweating in places I didn't know I could. It was delightful. But I was reminded that I'm like, oh damn, like I forgot about this sort of grind. Um, mm-hmm. but it was beautiful and we were so glad to have you guys there. We did a live show with Heather McMahon. We did a event with Aaron Claire and we did a live show with Stuart Pierce. So that one is coming out. So all of these live shows are going to be available for you guys to join in on the fun. And we are so excited to bring you along on tour. Yeah. New York, we got to see some of our favorite people, whether it was our like best friends, family, people just in this world of ours that we don't get to see as often, which was really Really nice. I didn't expect that we would have the time and we made the time. And I was kind of proud of that. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. I can make the time. Yeah. I know (laughs) because you don't want to schedule anything until you get that. Usually, actually, I always schedule, but then I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm I'm exhausted or I want to be alone or whatever. But I um, saw Mama Medicine, Deborah, and it was just... It was such a joy, you know, being, I just, I'm really seeking opportunities to be around people like her, healers, leaders, and be seen so that I feel worthy of that sort of opportunity and role. But she's the sweetest. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. And it was cool when we were talking because we were talking about auras and I noticed her like kind of 
glazing over at one moment. And it was when I was talking about Reiki and she's like, can I just tell you that your aura turned like bright, bright, bright green when you were talking about Reiki? She's like, it's funny Mm. though, because for her, she's like, Reiki worked for a long time. She's like, I'm a Reiki master. I used to teach it, but I stopped teaching it because there was a point in time where I stopped getting clients after it. So I know I knew that I needed to move on from Reiki. Mm. So it's interesting how that energy like moved in and out of her life. But she was also talking about one time she was at the VMAs mm-hmm. when she was living here in LA a long time ago. And she was like front row at the VMAs and she was talking about some of the, the celebrities mm-hmm. and their auras Oh, and how, so a healthy aura, she said, I asked her, I was like, what does a healthy aura look like? So a healthy aura looks like a watercolor painting. It moves in and out. It's got very fluid edges. It has blues and greens and you know reds and purples and just looks beautiful and is very fluid to the energy or conversation or environment that the person is in. But a healthy aura is like something that sits outside of them and within them. So it's just all around you. And if you have an unhealthy aura, it's very jagged edges. It's very black. It's very gray. And it just looks like this like dark mass. And she said that there was a few performers at the VMAs that when they went on, they would almost channel a really dark energy through their performance and have like a very dark aura. Were they dark before that or she couldn't tell? Like, Well, there was the one Madonna who mm-hmm. like knows what she's doing. She's a very, you know, mm-hmm. has a history. If you guys really look into it, like of having attachment to like darker energy. So that was like one. And then there was like two others wow. that, that she mentioned that were, you know, had very just unhealthy, like jagged, dark auras. Wow. that crazy? That's fascinating. I know. And that's the thing is like, you know, being around someone like that, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I kind of feel funky. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know what it is where you you don't like someone or you're not attracted to someone or you're just not, don't feel good. A lot of it could be attributed to their aura. Because if someone has a jagged aura, it kind of can like penetrate your aura in mm-hmm. a bad way. Yeah, I would, I would imagine, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, but that it kind of makes you question yourself, you know, like the the way that their aura sits is, I don't know, it kind of makes me feel small and insecure because I'm like, wait, isn't this supposed to be better and easier and yeah. fluid? You know what I mean? Just kind of doubting. You always like kind of turn to yourself first and yeah. beat yourself up first over that, but that's so fascinating. Over your aura or over? Yeah, I, I think- with someone else's aura? Yeah, like meaning like the effect of- A dark aura. Totally. Yeah. Where you're like, wait, is it me? Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of that first instead of being like, oh no, that's their, it's their own stuff. I, I would think, and I've experienced this where I'm like, oh, is that me? Uh-huh. Hold on. Yeah. Now I know better. Totally. But, mm-hmm. Well, especially if they're a celebrity person, that's definitely when you assume you're like, oh, I suck. Yeah, totally. We were, we were I honestly was like, we were on an interview maybe a few weeks ago and they were like, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? And I don't know. I'm different every day. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't really feel it that much. I definitely got a service of that in feeling when we were somewhere and we were with someone that was very big. And I was, mm-hmm. I actually was kneeling. I actually was kneeling on the ground and I think they were sitting in a chair and it was very descriptive of the feeling that I felt <laughs> where I was like, oh, I'm on the ground and I'm below you and I'm having this below you experience. And this is like very, I feel very weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes we'll get in conversations with people who we feel that way initially and then like you kind of know that they're actually dealing with a lot of shit yes. and it's like, you know, it, you can kind of switch it, but then it becomes dark too. Cause you're like, Oh my God, you're dealing with all that shit. I know. Cause I know. Cause I you're so you feel big. better. <laughs> Mine was just like, ew. It was like one of those conversations where like 
literally they didn't do anything wrong. It was like nothing about them where I once a week, like walk around my apartment and go, you know where you feel Mm -hmm. like physically sick Mm -hmm. and embarrassed after something Mm -hmm. where you're like, you like Mm -hmm. want it out of you. You're like, you get that embarrassing feeling out of me. (laughs) Like this person, maybe they just probably think I'm a fucking loser, but maybe they think about this, but who knows? But I just still feel like gross from it. Can't wait to know who this is. I'm not, it's not registering with me. Yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I'll tell you after obviously, but that's the point. I don't want to like yeah. put them on blast for literally living with a peasant around them. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, New York was, was really, really good. And we, this episode today, Aaron Claire live Man, when human, human design, design, baby, it is. I will never, ever, ever get sick of talking about it. My so my best friend in New York and from childhood, Maddie came with his husband, and literally the whole time he was just looking at me like, girl. Oh like, yeah, he's like, oh, this is me. He was like, it was like in church. He's like, uh huh, and um, he's a projector. And What's Ro- Robert? Robert's a generator. Cool. But wow. And I was just really feeling so good for him because I could see him really like feel an acceptance of the way he is, which is nice, which is what human design does. But he, I mean, now he uses it like in work and with people that he works with, wants to know their human design because it really does fucking help. And Aaron was just channeling channeling, you know, it's only an hour long and we wanted to get as much information as possible, you know, out to the people that showed up and were just so ready and she did it. And it was really, really profound. And she actually did blueprints for both Krista and I, which was really special. This is like a 30 page deep dive into our human design and our chart. So not just our human design, but our specific chart. So everyone's design is like, is very different. So, uh, and you can, you can get a blueprint as well. You can, I think that we have a code to almost 30 for yeah. 10% off. Erinclairjones.com. Mm-hmm. You can get your own blueprint, but just really quickly. So if you guys aren't aware of human design, we actually have two podcast episodes on it previously. So you can search almost 30 human design, but human design is a system uh, or a synthesis of ancient and modern sciences. It's a really powerful tool for human understanding. It's not built on belief or faith, but is a really logical empirical system that offers you an opportunity to experiment with all the aspects of it and find out what works for you. Mm -hmm. So basically it is this ancient modern science that allows you to interpret in a way that makes you feel like you can be more like yourself. Yeah. So that's human design. It's really, really beautiful. And this was really fun to dig in with our community uh, at the event. We had them find out their sign, get their charts out. So everyone had their charts out right in front of them. We were working through it, just really, really diving in. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's, uh, interesting to look back on our lives and points at which for me, either it was like kind of a more of a depressed time or like a just feeling out of sorts time and knowing now that like I was really working against my design and a lot of it might be counterintuitive to what society tells you. So for example, like my lesson is to wait until your market finds you and recognizes you for your gifts rather than you trying to sell yourself for recognition. Similar in mine too. Which is, yeah, which makes sense to me. (laughs) Two fucking Uh, wallflowers. (laughs) Waiting for someone to ask us to the dance. But it's it's more like making yourself visible and then people see you and recognize it and want to work with you rather than like for me, like auditioning all the time and trying to like 
convince people to pick me. So it's it's just an interesting way to think about it because I was working against it for so long and no wonder why it wasn't working and I was, you know, kind of sad. So yeah, it's liberating to be completely honest. I know. I really loved, um, this is one of my favorite things in the blueprint. <laughs> be aware of when you are avoiding confrontations or not speaking your truth and notice when you soften your message. I definitely have that times, but this was my very favorite. Stop playing nice to avoid the nervous tension you feel about an issue because it might be uncomfortable for someone else. Mm, yeah. You know, just standing in any, uh, that is, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a very high level of awareness and consciousness and ability to be so centered in your truth that you're comfortable with people that are uncomfortable and nervous around you for whatever reasons that they may have. Yes. And to just stand in that. Yes. Because that is an unwavering belief in, in who you are. Mm-hmm. And I also think it facilitates I <laughs> their, I think you do, you do have it. It's like if this facilitates their experience a little bit, yes. if you're able to stand in yours, then they're like, okay. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's less of the wavering back and forth. Like, I'm sorry, but this is how we feel. It's like really yep. strong. And I think it helps them to get it sooner. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. My, this says right here about me, obviously working alone works. <laughs> working solo allows you to set your own schedule and do your own thing in time. You work best alone or in a partnership if you have the freedom to regularly move in and out. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, Wow. That's true. I mean, that's what we do. So that's cool. You know? Yeah. It's very interesting. Okay. Well, I want to dig into this episode. Aaron is a wealth of information. Uh, If you have any questions, you can find her on Instagram at Aaron Claire Jones. And you can use the code almost 30 for 10% off your blueprint if you're interested. And join the secret Facebook group. I can imagine we're going to have some human design conversations in there after this one. Yes. So we're just, we're grateful you're here as always. And just a little note. So during this, it's an interview with Lindsay and I. So we ask some of the most pressing and hard-hitting questions related to this ancient um, way to analyze ourselves and our souls. And then we did audience Q&A. So you're going to hear some audience Q&A from our beautiful community and Aaron answers that Q&A. So hopefully mm-hmm. this will be just really digestible information that's really helpful for you with human design. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We're on tour until the end of the year. Check out more information, almost30podcast.com. Oh yeah, live show. Slash tour. Yeah, we got our live show coming up in LA, which we're so excited about. So buy your tickets now. That will sell out. That's at the Dynasty Type writer at the Hayworth Theater in LA. And we'll be in Miami as well in December. We'll be in Australia. Miami, baby. Australia, baby. We'll be everywhere. We'll be in Melbourne and Sydney. So make sure to tell your friends down under. Mm -hmm. Those events are going to be awesome. Rosie Acosta, Mm -hmm. awesome yoga teacher healer. Jess Seppel, if you guys follow Jess online on Instagram, she's one of my favorite holistic health coaches. So those are our great guests for Australia leg that we're excited about. Yes. Can't wait to meet you and we'll see you on the other side. We're really excited to get the night started with our special guest, Erin Claire. Human design has been such an incredible tool and that's an understatement. It has totally changed our lives, both personally and in business. The way I think about it, it's like you know, we have like a genetic code and this feels like my soul code. It's something that like we were all born with and as being as like an identity. And so it's given me so much 
peace and compassion. You know, I, I feel like I've spent a lot of my life wondering how I can become the other thing or who they are and more of that. And this is like, it's like, no, that's who you are. And it rocks as long as you align with it, you know, and don't try for me, for example, like trying to force things is so not me, but I've put myself in situations before in New York for or five years, auditioning, forcing myself on people, please hire me. And it just, it didn't really work for me. It didn't work for my design, for my own strategy in my life. So it's been liberating and it's really kind of turned my life around, especially in relationships. So with Krista as my friend, as my best friend, sister, and as my business partner. So uh, she's a projector. I'm a manifesting generator. We work really well together. It works out, thankfully. And it's just given us a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually was the thing that, one of the greatest tools that I've been able to leverage since doing the podcast. And we have people on every week that are masters in whatever craft they are in. So we're learning about different modalities of healing every time we record. And this has been probably my favorite and the most powerful for me. I love astrology. It's a beautiful thing, but there's too many things changing all the time. It's like you have your sign and then you have your rising and your moon. And then it's also a different day. And it's like, there's just too many, you know, I'm like, I, there's too much. So for me to really understand my human design chart has been very impactful for me. I'm a projector. And when I found out the qualities of a projector, um, as it relates to leadership and strategy, things really made sense for me. And I was actually able to step into that more so than I was before. It gave me the permission within our business. It gave me the permission within my life to really hone in on those skills and really recognize those skills and how they've played out you know, throughout my life. Not really a lot in like the corporate world, but in this, in this it works. And it also really showed me about uh, skills or not skills, it, my shadow part of it, which is doing too much. Anyone feel like they're doing too much? Running from thing to thing potential burnout. Yeah, that was me. And and that still is me today. And that's really coming from a fear or lack mentality, a scarcity mentality that I've had from growing up in Ohio. You know, my whole life has kind of been in that world and I have to play with that and recognize that today or else I'm going to burn out. It's not going to be healthy. I'm going to have a health issue, you know, that I had like when I was living in New York, when I was going through my hormonal journey. So tonight... I'm very excited to dig into human design with you. Just know that this is a tool. You know, find the parts that really resonate with you and feel really true to you. I usually just take all the good parts and just keep them. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, my chart says I'm that bitch. Sounds fabulous. But really just tune in, tune into what feels good for you. And we're going to go into it in full tonight with Aaron. We're going to talk about how it applies to finding your soul's purpose, to being your most aligned, authentic self, what it is, where it comes from, all of those things. So let's give the lovely Miss Aaron Claire a hand. <laughs> Hello, she's a vision. Hey, sister. Is this an angel? Yeah, I know, honestly. Hello. They were like, they were like, yeah, we well, remember you here last year. You were all white, and I was like, yeah, it's the second year on the road. <laughs> we're black this time. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Yeah. 
It's been a long time coming. So Aaron is a human design guide and leadership coach. And I'm just so inspired by the work that you do in the sense that, you know, this is really an empowerment tool. And it's a tool that, you know, once people are locked in and and really honoring their own design, it's it's like a it's like a fast track at least what I've experienced. It's a fast track to success, to love, just more self-love. So, I would love to I would love to know how you found human design. Yeah. And I love what you said, because I think human design really is about just giving ourselves permission to be us. And I think we spend a lot of our lives trying to be all the things that we're not. And human design just brings us back to who we are. And life becomes a lot easier when that happens. Um, I discovered human design in 2015. I was at a party in the Lower East Side and this guy sat next to me and looked at my human design on his phone. And I'm like quite open to this stuff, but I was just like, okay, tell me everything. Um, and he just was telling me all this information that felt so intuitive to me, but it also felt like stuff I never really like allowed myself to embrace. You know, I'm a projector as well. And he was like, you're really not here to do all the doing. You really need to rest. You need to work in spurts. Like you're not here to initiate things. You're here to wait to be invited in. You're not here to make decisions in the moment, like all totally opposite the way that I'd operated. And so that really piqued my interest. And then when I saw the potential application of business and leadership, because I came from the world of startups, it was just like, this is it. Because I think that even though it comes from the stars, it's so grounded and so practical and like so simple that you can actually bring it into corporate settings and have it be just as impactful. Mm-hmm. And where is it? Because everyone's like, what is it? I'm like, <laughs> so I, I have a hard time describing it. I'm like, what? I Look it up. <laughs> um, so how do you describe what it is, where it came from and in a way that people can understand what exactly it is when they're looking at their chart? Yeah. So if you've looked up your chart, you're probably like, this is so confusing. What in the world am I looking at? Um, I would say, think of it as your energetic DNA. You know, you can see it's actually your body and it's basically how the energy is moving in your body. And once you start to understand what's reliable within you, you can just kind of tap into your own flow. In terms of what it draws from, it draws from astrology, the I Ching, the Kabbalah, um, quantum physics, genetics, like a bunch of different systems into one. Um, and did you want to know the origin story? Yeah. Which is crazy. You know, it's very funny telling this to companies. They're like, where'd it come from? I'm like, mm, okay. So um, the, it came about in 1987. There was this guy, his initial name was Alan, and he went to Ibiza and was living in Ibiza. And he was walking home one night and had a very mystical experience where he was walking home to his house and he heard a voice and the voice was like, it's time to work. And so basically for eight days and eight nights, he channeled the system and then spent the next 20 years building it out. He's no longer alive. His name was Ra Uhuru Hu, um, but there are institutions around the world sharing it and teaching it. So it was not a thing that came from like us analyzing humans. It was a thing that like came from a totally different place. So I think in a lot of my work, exactly like you said, it's like, take the things that resonate, leave the rest. Like we're definitely not trying to convince you of anything, but I think that often the information tends to resonate on a very cellular level that people tend to get it. Um, and they actually stop caring where it comes from. Can we like go over each one yeah. of the designs just so we can cover. I actually want to know if there's a reflector in the room. Yeah. Any reflectors in the house? Any? Oh my oh God. My God. <laughs> oh my God. I need to see your eyes. I love you. Beautiful. Okay. I, I knew it's there was so going to be hard. one. <laughs> 
I would love to kind of briefly go through and maybe highlight a couple of things about, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, one thing to know about human design is that there are 2 billion different configurations. So everybody's incredibly unique. So if you resonate to different pieces, that's totally normal. But at the highest level, there are five different types. If you looked up your design, it will just say type. It'll say something like generator, manifesting generator, projector, reflector, or manifester. So who here is a manifesting generator? MGs, what up? Okay, awesome. And who here is a generator? Okay, great. Um, so these generators and manifesting generators make up the majority of the population together because they're so needed. These are basically the people that really have the energy and the life force to kind of build and create and bring things to life. And the most important thing is the, in the world is that they're really doing work that is deeply satisfying to them. These people are designed to kind of wake up in the morning with like a full tank of energy to use their energy in super satisfying ways and then crash and wake up recharged. If they haven't fully used their energy, they might go to bed and feel like a little bit restless because they just like haven't exhausted their tank or they might just feel depleted in the wrong way. So if these people are in a job that they don't enjoy, I always recommend like at least find some stuff, you know, morning, afternoon, weekends, just like something that lights you up and gives you a lot of energy because basically the more energized you are and excited you are, the more magnetic you become and actually attracting things to you. And as Lindsay was saying, the strategy for both of these types is not about chasing after things and trying to make things happen, but it's actually about just like leveraging your magnetism and basically allowing life to come to you and then just assessing what you're available for or not. Makes sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that shifted in your life? Yes. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Well, because I just felt so like unwanted and unworthy, you know, because I was like chasing after the wrong things. Not not necessarily the wrong things. It was just the wrong energetic thing happening. And once I allowed things to come to me, because I can, I do have such a strong gut reaction to things yeah. and I wasn't trusting it for so long. Mm-hmm. So once I started to trust it and work that muscle, it was like, boom, boom, boom. Yes. Very, very yeah. easy. And then it just flows so much easier. Um, and so there's another piece which we can talk about too, which is decision-making. But So those are generators and manifesting generators. And then we have projectors. Who here is a projector? Where's the best one? <laughs> <laughs> So projectors, there are lots of actually different types of projectors, but in general, these here, these people are really here to kind of be advisors, leaders, guides, teachers. They're really not here to do all the doing. They don't have that same consistent access to energy and their energy often operates in spurts where it's like they've got the energy, especially for you actually. It like they've got the energy and then they need a lot of time to rest and then energy. So they've got to kind of leverage it when it's there, but not push themselves too hard. As you were saying, you know, our biggest shadow is burnout is like being super overzealous and working too hard and like trying to keep up with everyone around us. And so, and we just often don't have the capacity to. But our gift as projectors is really in understanding people. We are incredibly sensitive to energy. We can kind of really penetrate into people and make them feel very seen and recognized. So the strategy for projectors is all about waiting to be invited in and recognized. And so it's even actually more intense than the waiting to respond. It's basically waiting for someone to kind of recognize your unique gift and invite you in to share it. The thing is projectors, like they often bring a very unique thing to the table. So they need to be recognized so they can actually operate in that way and leverage that. You know, I've definitely worked at a number of companies where I was brought in and expected to operate like a generator and I was just like sucked at it, you know, but I think when I had opportunities where I was really seen as a projector, it was very empowering. Mm. How's that land for you? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, when I was living in New York, I was, um, I was working my nine to five and at that time I wanted to be a soul cycle instructor really bad. And so I was riding in the morning, riding at night and 
taking pre-workout, doing all the things. And I got really, really sick when I moved to LA because I was doing too much. I didn't have the energy for it. It wasn't healthy for me. So I spent like a year of my time in LA figuring out what was wrong with me. I was exhausted. I couldn't get up in the morning. I would fall asleep in the middle of the day. I put on like 20 pounds and I just was really, really unhappy and unhealthy. And because I pushed too much against the design that I currently have as a projector, I had really bad um, hormonal and adrenal fatigue. So had to work on that. And now it's been my, it's, it's a life lesson, you know, that I have to have to, to slow down for sure. And just one quick aside, something you both share in your design is that you can actually accomplish a lot more in like three hours than most people can in like a whole day. So being in a job where you're like expected to work eight hours is probably going to be very challenging. It's more like I'm going to kill it for three hours and then like really rest. And then when the energy comes again. So just again, like learning to leverage that. (laughs) The founder of Human Design would always joke that projectors are meant to work like three hours a day. And it's so funny because like every projector I talk to, they're like, yes, please, you know? And like, but it's also hard, you know, I'm building a company. It's like, we, you often like, I know that I'm working too hard now too. And so it's a constant practice to be like, wait, wait, I'm like really pushing past and I'm actually not effective anymore. So just like learning to leverage the energy when it's there. So who's a manifester? Great. So cool. We have a lot of them. So manifestors are about 9% of the population. And these are the people that are really here to, like I've talked a lot about not initiating. These are the people that are really here to initiate. The people that are here to kind of make things happen. <laughs> Seeing some nods. Um, make things happen, get things started. These people often are very independent, super autonomous. Freedom is super important for them. And so if they're in a position where they're kind of being guided or told what to do, it can be incredibly challenging. So when they often work well when they're autonomous and entrepreneurial and kind of doing their own thing, or if they're working at a company, if they have a lot of freedom, it's like, this is your domain, do your thing, let me know how it goes. They often can like see the future and feel like everyone else is like a little bit behind the times. Um, they tend to be very kind of naturally innovative as well. And so their strategy is all about initiating, making the first move, which honestly tends to not be the way that a lot of manifestors I work with are operating. Because imagine that we live in a world of a lot of different types and they just haven't felt the permission to kind of be as powerful and impactful as they are, but we need them. So to initiate and the other piece of their strategy is all about communicating and informing. And so what I mean by that is once they've made a decision, it's basically reflecting on all the people that decision is going to impact and make sure they let them know. Not about asking for permission, just giving them an FYI that like, you know, I'm going to like go to France tomorrow. Or I'm going to take this job or I'm going to leave this job. Are you going to France tomorrow? Okay. Wow. That's hilarious. But, and it's really about informing the people that will be impacted. You know what I mean? It's not just like, I need to tell everyone, but like one very simple example I use too is like, you can just be sitting at a dinner table and a manifestor just like gets up and leaves and everyone's like, what is going on? You know? And the manifestor's like, I'm getting up, I'm going to the bathroom, I'll be back. Everyone's like, got it. Okay. On your team. And so just by giving them that FYI, it's a way to kind of just build support and make sure you feel supported by the people around you. Cool. Great. Should we talk about reflectors? Yeah, reflector. Okay, who's our one reflector? (laughs) We got you. And there's another two? Two. Wow. That is so awesome. Oh, we got three. So rare. Four. Really? Dang. This is a very (laughs) rare group. Cool. Okay. So reflector is about 1% of the population. So it's definitely wild that we have four of them in here. But these are very unique beings and we're all very unique. But like what makes them different is that they tend to kind of take in everything in their environment and mirror it back. And so you actually really get a sense of the health of a place just by how that reflector is showing up because their identity is changing all the time. And I'd be curious how this resonates with you guys. But basically over the course of a month, you're going to have periods where you feel like a manifestor, like a manifesting generator, like a projector, like a generator. So like the worst thing you can do is try to combine yourself into one 
one box. It's basically waking up each day and being like, how do I feel today? In each environment, like, how do I feel here? Like not trying to have a fixed identity, but allowing it to be more adaptable. Another key piece for reflectors is that they're incredibly sensitive to their physical environment. So one of the most important things they can do is just choose to be in environments that feel good to them. That means like being in the right city, making sure their apartment feels really amazing. Like if they go to a hotel and it doesn't feel right, like leaving. If they go to a coffee shop and it doesn't feel right, like leaving. It's going to be much easier for a date to go well when they choose the place. They're just like incredibly sensitive to that physical space. Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah. So the question is basically, um, what if you identify with traits of a different type, but you're not exactly that type? What do you do? Exactly. And so I think like specifically to that question, like we're all, I mean, if you looked at your chart, you're going to see there are all these different colored boxes, white boxes. So the areas that are white in your design are the areas where you're the most sensitive and kind of taking an energy from other people. And so we actually all have that. What makes reflectors different is they have them all white. And so like my guess for you is I'd be curious to look at your chart, but there's like one um, diamond in the middle that's white too. And that's specifically around identity and being sensitive to physical space. So I think it totally makes sense that it resonates. And I think, again, we have to oversimplify a little bit here, but we all have different areas in our design where we're very sensitive and taking in other people's energy. So in terms of those white spots on your chart, how do we work with those? Because like for me, I'm like, oh, that's lacking. That's a weak spot, you know, whatever. And so I only got one. I, I do have one. Yeah, right here. Yeah. So we all have the areas that are colored in in our design. And those are basically the areas that are operating in a very consistent and reliable way. That's where our energy comes from. The areas that are white are the areas where we're super open and sensitive. And so there are areas where we can be very vulnerable, but there are also areas where we're here to be wise. Like these are the areas where we're here in school. And so in terms of working with them, it's like in my work with clients and people, it's like there's going to be a shadow and a wisdom of each center. And so the work is to just cultivate the awareness so you can really check yourself when you're moving into the shadow. So like an example for us projectors and any projector actually and manifestor and reflector is that one of our shadows is becoming super overzealous, doing too much, trying to keep up with everyone. And so really like checking ourselves because our work is to like delegate, take a lot of time to rest, like know what our role is. Um, so for you, the one open center you have is all around your identity. And so the like shadow of that would be like, always be searching for the perfect partner, the perfect home, the perfect job, the perfect thing to do. And, and like not kind of being settled in where you are. And the wisdom is just like allowing your identity to like shift based on who you are and where you are and just like not forcing it into one box. And you're also someone who's incredibly sensitive to your physical space. So just honoring that however you can. Make sense? Yeah, I feel seen. (laughs) (laughs) And in the chart, so I know some people, you guys have the charts open too. What are the side things when the side things are colored in and not? So we talked a lot about the main parts, if they're colored in or not, what that means just now. But the side things when those are colored in or not, what could we look for? I know they're all kind of different, but what does coloring in mean? So, okay. So the, the side things, I like the name. I'm going to use the name. So those are basically just the qualities that are kind of consistent and reliable within us. So if you see like um, a line connecting one center to another, that's a strength of yours. So like, again, the one that I was talking about for you is like, you guys both have a real strength around like marketing and sales and just like using your intuition and language things in a way that people can really hear and like accomplishing a lot more in a compressed period of time. So we all have just different strengths in our design. So that's what those qualities are. And, you know, without getting too complicated, like some of those are, always present for us. And some of those, some of them only show up like when we're around certain people or in certain environments. Makes sense. Yeah. I also want to talk, talk about too, with this, that I think is really important. And in my blueprint that I got from you too, and just the work that Lindsay and I have been doing in the past, you know, maybe two years about um, shadow work. So the importance of like understanding the shadow parts of your chart and how that can be a huge asset and strength for you. 
No, it's so important, you know, and usually that's what I start with because like, it's so fun to hear about all the things we're amazing at, but like when we don't learn to work with those shadows, it's hard to actually like live into those things. So I think the areas that I would definitely recommend focusing on are all those open centers because those are probably going to be the ones that hit you the most because like the thing is in human design, we each have a way of making decisions that's unique for us. So for you, it's about your emotions, taking time to feel into things for you. It's about your intuition in the moment. But the thing about all those white centers in our design is that we can take in other people's stuff and start to make decisions from that place. And so it's really important to become aware of them so we aren't making decisions from other people's emotions, other people's stress, other people's like sense of identity, willpower, any of that. So by understanding those open centers, we can make sure that we're like, we can feel those things and learn from those things, but not actually guide our life based on those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. How would you, how would you suggest that people clear out the other people's stuff or understand when other people's stuff could get in a way? Do you have like a practice yeah. or anything that we could be doing? Cause I know you guys yeah. we're in New York, so there's people around us all the time. Totally. So any suggestions for that? I mean, I think time alone is definitely super important for all of us. You know, there's a aspect of human design that I always think is like a little bit controversial, but like people seem to really resonate with it, which is like... The raw would always suggest that we sleep in our own bedrooms, especially for projectors, reflectors, and manifestors. But I think it's true for everyone is that we just really affect each other when we sleep, you know? Oh. And so when you're sleeping next to the same person every night, like you're going to take in their emotions and their stuff. And so sleep is actually a very precious time for us to kind of release the stuff that's not ours. And so I think like spending time and most people that I talk to, they're like, oh my God, yes. How can I have two bedrooms? But I think that, <laughs> um, but there's a real stigma against it. You know, people really yeah. assume that it's like means something's wrong with your relationship. So I think practices like that of just like having time alone, I think being in nature, I think going for walks, like, you know, for example, like if you're open in an emotional center, which means you're taking in everyone else's emotions. Like if you're feeling that heat from someone else, it's literally just like walking away. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going for a walk. I'm going to the bathroom. Like I'm just going to disconnect from your stuff so I can like reconnect to my own neutrality and move from there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's going to be a little bit different for each center, but I think we really often just need that energetic space. But the awareness helps us know like, oh my God, that, that thing is not mine. Can we talk about like uh, connection, both love, romantic love, friendship, and even connection with family as it relates to the designs? Because I think it's, you know, I think we're born into one of family. And I think for me, like my position in my family, eldest child, I felt like I was born into a certain uh, responsibility or role. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it always aligns with my design at all. So I'd love to just kind of dig into that with each design just so people can kind of navigate because the interpersonal relationships, it's wild once you learn like what your best friend's human design is, what your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, you know, your mom, your dad, it could help your relationship tenfold. So I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. It's such a good question because I think where we get tripped up in relationships is when we like expect someone to be different than what they are. And human design just helps us understand like, oh, this person's different than me. Like I'm not going to expect them to operate differently. Like finding out my dad was a projector and my sister was a manifestor. I was just like, oh, it all makes sense. Like I don't, I'm going to stop trying to change all of them. Um, But I think in general, in terms of like tactical stuff, in terms of how to work with different types, like knowing that projectors really need rest. Like when my partner and I arrive in a new city, he's a generator. He's like ready to like go out and explore the city. And I like, always try and then I just like fall apart mm-hmm. you know and now we've learned it's like I want to lay down I've really got to rest before I like actually can go do something but I think um, so I think in projectors in general knowing that their energy is inconsistent projectors really thrive when they're really invited into things and they really need to be recognized you know generators really it's really good to ask them very specific questions so instead of you asking you a question like where do you want to go for dinner or like what do you think we should do now be like 
do you want to go out? Do you want to cook at home? You know, do you want to eat salmon or sushi? Just things that allow you to connect to that gut response and have like a visceral response to it. I would also say that for the generators and manifesting generators in your life, the most important thing is that they're really doing work and doing things that really they enjoy. So not pulling them into your flow and not like, so they actually are doing all this stuff that like they don't actually care about, like really making space for them to kind of be lit up. And then they're going to bring a lot of good energy into the relationship. I think with manifestors, they need a whole lot of freedom, you know, so giving them the freedom, but also like not trying to control them in any way. And I mean, the list goes on like, there's so much, but I think also with reflectors, it's really kind of recognizing their uniqueness. You know, I think not trying to put them into a box, like I said, and really allowing them to always choose the physical environment. But there's an aspect that we haven't talked about, which is super important, which is just how we make decisions. So once you kind of know how the people around you are designed to make decisions, you can also really learn to honor that. Do you, should I talk yeah, about it? Yeah, we'd love to go into that. So this is going to say, it'll be under the inner authority part of your chart. So it'll say something like sacral or emotional or splenic. Um, and so this is basically how, if you take anything away, it's the type in the inner authority. So for the people that are sacral, this basically means that you're designed to make decisions in the moment based on how it feels in your gut. It can be like an excited buzz in your stomach, an uncomfortable knot. You can feel your body opening up towards something or shutting down. It can be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so these people like have the capacity to make decisions in the moment as soon as they get that gut response. But if the gut response is not there yet, it either just means it's not the right thing or it's not the right time yet. And so... So the work is to really tune into that gut response and then trust it. Obviously the mind's going to get in the way. And so the work is to just like hear the mind, but not let it be the guide. You know, these are the people that often, and a lot of us do this, but like, you know, I worked with the HR woman a few weeks ago and she was like, when somebody comes into the office, I know within five seconds, whether or not I want to hire them, but I actually can't rationalize it to anyone around me. And so people are like, why? And she's like, I don't know. It feels wrong. You know? And so for that gut response, like a thing will feel right or it doesn't. And like, that's enough. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So sacral can only be generators and manifesting generators, but emotional can be all the types, but reflectors. So for the emotional people, you might have a gut response, you might have an intuition, but you're not designed to make the big decisions in the moment. Really healthy for you to give yourself time to really feel into things and sleep on things before you commit. Because we're kind of always riding this, I'm emotional too, we're always riding this emotional wave of like highs and lows and highs and lows. And the most important thing is to not make decisions on the high or the low of that emotional wave. Basically give yourself time to kind of feel into it and just like wait for a sense of calm to emerge. Make sense? No emotional charge. I see a lot of nods. Yeah. Pay attention to that initial response and then just be like, am I still excited about this thing three days later? How does that land for you, Lindsay? Yeah. Cause I tend, I, yeah, I'm yeah. emotional. Yeah. I tend to react off of the emotion in the moment. And I think especially in close relationships, cause you are, I don't, that, I don't feel like you do. I feel like you're very, Hey man, I'm me. <laughs> no, you know, but I feel like you're very chill. I don't feel like you react emotionally. I feel like I do more. No, no, no I'm saying, I know what you mean. I'm saying that I usually react like I react instead of sleeping on it. Mm. I make a decision. I have before I've been like trying to be better about it, but mm-hmm. I have before made a decision in that emotional moment Yeah, and felt differently about it the next day. Mm, so yeah. that definitely was, it's a practice though. Yeah. I still kind of struggle with it. Totally. And it often shows up like that. It's like when you're on the high, you're like, oh my God, yes, I'll do this. I'm so excited. And then wake up the next day and you're like, what in the world did I commit to? Because I'm so not in the mood anymore. And like your design in particular is like all about just doing things when you're in the mood. It's like really like when you're in the mood to work out, work out, when you're in the mood to eat, eat, but like not when you're not in the mood. But I think just when you think about partnership or relationship, like an interesting difference between these two is that like for you, it's like you need a lot of time, whereas you can make decisions like that. 
And so beginning to honor that and not like expecting someone to be quicker or slower in their decision making. Make sense? Who's splenic? Not a lot of us. What the heck? It's more rare. Um, so this is just for projectors and manifestors. So um, intuition is actually different than the gut response in human design. Intuition is super quiet. It's like a feeling of resonating with something. It's like a whisper or a voice that you feel, tingles that you feel, and it basically shows up and then it disappears. And so the work is to basically get quiet enough to hear your intuition and then just be courageous enough to act once you hear it. Living in New York City can be a little bit challenging for these people because it can be a little bit hard to hear that intuition. So often meditation or nature are great practices that kind of just like connect to that instinctive, intuitive knowing. Krista, how does that show for you? Really? Yeah. yeah. It's been, when I have connected to my intuition, it's been, you know, the most powerful decisions I've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, quitting my job in Chicago, finding Justin, you know, we had met Justin and I, if you guys know Justin, he's my boyfriend. We've been together six years and we had met one time in college. And then we met one other time. We texted for six months and then I moved to New York. Everyone thought I was crazy because I was, but my gut told me it was right, you know, and it was something that I knew and I knew no one else would know. And it was one of the best things for my gut that I followed mm-hmm. in addition to almost 30. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's one example of so many that our bodies just know things that we cannot conceive with our minds. And so human design just helps us connect to that and be like, I don't know why this feels right, but like I trust that in like a month, I'll know why, or in a year, I'll know why. Are there ones I haven't covered? I imagine probably. Self-projected is just true for projectors. And for these people, their decision-making is all around their identity. So these people, it's all about actually verbally processing. I call it like, listen to what you say. So it's really healthy for you to surround yourself by people that you trust and just allow yourself to talk. And when you do that, your truth will literally just come out. It's not about thinking about what you say. It's just like, again, just like letting it come. I think that a lot of these people like work with therapists or coaches or have like a really good family or friend or partner, but often like they'll voice record or they'll journal, like just some practice that allows them to kind of verbally process. Make sense? I had a client um, a couple weeks ago. She was so funny. She was like, she would always have these experiences where she would just be standing in an elevator and she'd be like, I want a divorce. Or I'm like, I need to leave this job. Like she, she would just say it out loud and she'd be like, where did that come from? You know? But there was just something about saying it out loud that like confirmed. She was like, I guess that's my truth. So again, practicing that kind of verbal processing. So someone said none or outer. So that's the self-projected, but also for the people that say, it'll say, I think none or mental. That's yours. Great. So it has that sounding board piece. That's part of it. But also another piece for you is that you're just incredibly sensitive to your environment. So one of the most important things you can do is honor that. And, you know, just like choose to be in different environments that feel good, surrounding yourself by different people that you trust and allowing yourself to talk, but honoring that sensitivity to environment, like, you know, as much as you can. Make sense? And we had ego manifested somewhere. So this is just true for manifestors or projectors. Um, And so it'll be different for projectors. But with the ego, it basically means that you're designed to make decisions based on whether or not you have the willpower or the fortitude to do something. These people are designed to be very selfish in their decision making, which I know can sound a little bit wonky, but it basically, when they make a decision, it's like, will this decision take care of me? Like, is my heart really in it? Do I have the willpower to do this? Do I have the fortitude to do this? And when they do, then like they can move mountains. But when their heart's not in it and they're doing it because they think they should, it's very challenging. So really just making sure the decision takes care of you. And then we have lunar. So this is true for reflectors. I'm curious how this one resonates because it's always so wild to me. And then all the reflectors I work with are like, I know. I'm like, what? Um, But for reflectors, you know, for the big decisions, obviously for not 
the small ones, but they're really designed to give themselves like a full month before they make a big decision. Cause they actually need that amount of time to kind of sample all the different options for them to kind of feel this like sudden knowing inside that it's the right thing. If you get it sooner, great, but they like kind of need that full experience. And so it can be very challenging to be in a work environment or around friends that are hurrying you or pressuring you to make a decision. I had a client a couple months ago as well, who this was such a good embodiment of it, but she met this guy who was a photographer and she's like, Oh my God, I want to be a photographer. This is my career. I am all set, you know? And she went all in. And then three weeks later, she's like, and I'm done, you know, like on to the next thing. But like, she had to go into it and sample all the different ways of feeling about it until she was like, this is not the right thing for me. So for those big decisions, being as patient as possible. And what about, we don't have to go deep into it, but the numbers mm-hmm. on, on your chart, just so people can maybe have a taste of the it profile. so they can, yeah, the profile so you can further do research on it. What do they mean? So there are 12 different profiles in human design. It's going to look like a weird fraction, like one, three, two, four, six, two. Um, and this is basically around how we're here to manifest our purpose. So it can actually be incredibly tactical. And, and so some differences here would be like some people are really designed to kind of build their companies and world through their just like community and their network. And it's really just about like building relationships. So these people go try to like market to strangers. It's going to be super challenging. The most important thing they can do is just like cultivate their friendships because that's where all the opportunities come from. There are other people that are like designed to be more of hermits. Like they're just very kind of like naturally talented at what they do. And this would be if you have a two in your profile. Um, the other one would be if you had a four. And the two would be like, you're not really designed to do the things that come challenging or feel really hard, but the things you're just like naturally good at that you might not even assign value to, but that's like what you are designed to kind of be paid for and be recognized for. And you're kind of here to be called out for those things. For the people you have a one in your profile, right? You're a five one and you're a three five. So for the people that have a one in their profile, they're here to like investigate. They're here to like get to the bottom of things and really understand the details of how things work. And like, they're here to be authorities in what they do, but like, because they built such a solid foundation, these aren't people that are here to be like, I kind of know a lot of things. It's like, they're really curious and they're kind of unpacking it all. Yeah. For the three, this is all about trial and error. So this is basically, these people are here to learn through experimentation, making mistakes, learning as you go and never making yourself wrong for like failing or making a mistake, but just like gleaning as much wisdom as possible and just continuing to experiment. Because often these people then like once they experiment, they can share all the things they're learning with their community and the people around them. And it can be very powerful for them. Do you feel like you've allowed that trial and error process in your life? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's fun. <laughs> but again, when you, again, when you think about relationships, like in a business partnership, like Lindsay supporting Krista to be like, yeah, make all the mistakes, figure it out. Cause you're going to figure out all the things that don't work, you know, rather than being like, you need it to get it perfect the first time. And then also for the people that have a five, you guys both have a five in your profile, which means that there's like a real resonance between the two of them. But the fives are like, they're here to be kind of like saviors and leaders and people can like tend to project a lot of things onto them. They can project that they can like fix them or guide them or lead them or save them. And so super key for you both to be very discerning of people's projections to just be like, is that really aligned with how I can show up, you know, or are they just projecting an image of me that like, isn't really that authentic? Mm. Makes sense. Cause they're here to come and like come in and save the day. And then like, get out and not stay in there the whole time. And then I think the one I didn't cover is if you have a six in your profile, obviously the different configurations are going to mean something different, but sixes are here to kind of be role models, teachers. Um, they tend to have like a very objective perspective, a real wisdom, and they tend to live their life in three phases. And again, like take this however you like. I think for me, it's really resonated where the first 30 years is a lot of trial and error, making mistakes, learning as you go. 30 to 50 is a time of stepping back and just kind of like objectively observing. And then 50 is when you're really designed to kind of own this like role model position by just like embodying all the things that you've learned. So you always have an authority, but it really kind of flowers later in life. I think in one of the the parts of the chart, it's related to eating and nutrition, Mm -hmm. which part of the chart 
uh, speaks to that and what should people look for? So it's not going to be in the chart that you're seeing right now because there's a deeper software that goes into it. But there's, I mean, human design basically is endless amounts of information. (laughs) But in terms of the food, it's super fascinating. Like some people are designed to eat like in direct sunlight. You know, other people like it's good to like not eat. It's all about the conditions under which you eat rather than like what you're eating. Like for you and I, I think that you're nervous, but it basically what it means is that you're designed to eat with a lot of activity around you. Does that resonate? Yes. But like eating when you're walking, like eating when there's people around, but like it's... I like, yeah, I like being like in like kind of a buzzy place and mm-hmm. eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, and the thing is, it just helps the digestive system. And was yours around sound? I feel like it was around quiet. I think it's anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All environments are good. <laughs> but but yeah, it, was, it actually was sound. If I remember correctly, it's really about like eating, like it's actually kind of healthy to not eat around other people. And especially as a projector, we can kind of take on other people's desires and like actually overeat because we just were like, oh wait, that wasn't actually mine. But for you, there's like a, a real sense of like eating and quiet, like not at like around at a restaurant with a lot of people, but kind of by yourself. Yeah. And importantly, not with technology around exactly so no phones or no computers around is really important yeah and that's like that's another component of the chart too which is all around feelings and these people can be super sensitive to to technology so there's like a lot of different components there is a piece it'll be the top left arrow but it basically means if it's facing left that like you are designed to kind of you're not really here to fast as much like it's good to have routine in your food and eat more consistently whereas if it's facing right like you can be a little bit more like up and down in your food like when you're inspired or when you're not and there's gonna be different stuff for types too you know for projectors it's like we don't want to like eat too much at any given time. It's really about kind of grazing throughout the day and not eating like huge meals. Whereas like generators and manifesting generators can have a bit, little bit faster of a metabolism mm-hmm. um, where it's just like eating what you're lit up by and what you're excited by, like not because what you think you should. And also like letting it change, being like, I'm doing this this week and then this the next week and letting that be okay. So besides those things that we just talked about, what is one other thing that you really love from the chart that you find really profound and helpful, maybe like your favorite part of the chart that they can read. So I think that like really going into your channels, I think is what I'd recommend. Obviously we can't go through all those today, but like, I just think that for me, it's always such a reminder of like what's unique within me, you know? And so like, there are going to be things around, like there are some people that are here, like one of mine is just around being a witness. You know, some people are here to just like sell and market and use language in a way that just like really resonates with people. Like, you know, other people it's about just having these like profound insights that they like just drop in and that they're like ready to share. And there's just a lot of insight there that I think really gives people permission to just like tap into what makes them unique you know and I think often we like make ourselves wrong for the things that make us us and I think what human design does is like no that's you that's like your special thing like own it step into it yeah I kind of would love to open up for some questions so I have a question around being a projector and it like really resonated so intensely with me when you said like ideally you would have like a three-hour work day like I say to my business partner all the time like I need like a 15 to 20 hour work week but that's not always possible. So I think I'd love to know just some strategies for what you recommend for, you know, how to maybe work towards being able to have that, you know, whether it's having a job or your own business or something in between, but just it's, I feel sometimes like a crybaby when I say like, I feel really depleted after a few hours of work and I need, like I need to take a break. Like life isn't always sympathetic to that. 
Totally. So I think that I think that whether or not you're like at a job or working by yourself, I think just remember that working in spurts is really good. And so like just being like, I'm gonna work for three hours and then I'm like gonna go for a walk or I'm gonna like go hide in the corner of my office and just lay down for a sec, you know? But like I think just allowing yourself a little bit of permission to like rest in between can be super useful. I think also just like starting to recognize like what you're really good at because like remembering that like you're really not here to do all the doing. So starting to be like, what am I being invited in to share? Like what am I really being recognized for? So like as you evolve in it, you can start to delegate the other stuff and just step into that. So I think like when we talk about projectors being recognized and invited in, like you've got to start by recognizing yourself, you know, and like, um, and so I think kind of beginning to recognize those unique things. So when the time comes, you can hand them off. But I think in the meantime, just like taking as much rest as you can, you know, even if it's just for a walk and like definitely, yeah, just making sure that like, just checking yourself if you're like, I feel like I need to keep going and like keep pushing through my tiredness and trying to kind of like step back from that. So I am a 2-5, a hermit, heretic, generator with an extremely open chart. My question is more understanding, as a person, you know, by my profile, I'm somebody who kind of isn't aware of my gifts or hides my gifts, but I also have in, like, a large projection field. So how... You know, what can I do to help decipher, like, what's mine and what do I really have to give the world versus, like, what people tell me I can really give the world? It's such a good question because I think one of the hardest parts of being a two five or having that five is if you like see yourself as the world sees you. And the thing is that like people project everything onto you. So I think that like what you should pay attention to or what I'd recommend paying attention to is like, what do you do when like you're all alone? You know, these people are here to like just be like alone doing their own thing in their own time. And then people like see them for that thing and they're like, oh my God, you. So I would just like, these people need a lot of time to kind of be reclusive. And so I would just pay attention to like what you feel drawn to in those moments when like no one else is around. Because like twos kind of need to operate without interference from others and so just kind of cultivating the things that feel natural and then like trusting the invitations that come and be like okay does that feel authentic no mm-hmm. make sense cool i'm just curious in the, the not self theme what that means so i have a yeah. bitterness yeah cool so every type in human design will have a true self not self theme they're basically very simple signals that can reveal when we're on or off track so for generators and manifesting generators it's frustration when they're off track and satisfaction when they're on track so paying attention like where do you feel the most satisfied like so connected where feel like where it feels like things are coming to you versus like where you're feeling resentful or dissatisfied for projectors it's success when they're on track feeling super appreciated and recognized and bitterness when they're off track not feeling appreciated not feeling recognized whenever i felt bitter it's like okay either this thing is like not the right thing for me or like we need to kind of renegotiate what's happening for manifestors off track is anger and on track is peace manifesting generators will have a taste of that as well and then for reflectors off track is disappointment and on track is surprise and the surprise is just like again allowing yourself to wake up and be like oh my god this is how i feel today great you know so kind of owning that rather than being like this is who i need to be yeah that's one of my favorite things especially with Lindsay and i knowing those within our business when i'm feeling some type of way, you know, if I'm feeling critical or bitter, I definitely notice that. Um, or if she, you know, when she, something's not going our way, she'll feel frustrated, which I can see. So that's been really, really helpful as just a tiny little thing within our business and then with our friendship and also within relationships with Justin too. Mm-hmm. And it's just like an opportunity to step back and be like, can I re-engage with this in a different way? Yeah. Hi. Um, so I think you said when the lines on the side or things or whatever we said um, are connected, that means they're strengths. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean when it's not connected? When you have a line coming from something that's 
just halfway. Yes. Yeah. So that's just a quality that is, you don't have the entire strength, but that's an area where you're kind of here to connect with other people. So like, imagine that you have one half of the piece of the puzzle. And so you're going to be attracted to people that have that other half. So like often the people that find each other, are the ones that have a lot of those connections. Make sense? And it's cool because then you're connected and this whole new thing emerges. Yeah. So when things are black, it means that's something you're conscious and aware of. And when it's red, it means that it's actually not something you're conscious of. Other people might recognize it in you, but you might not be conscious of it yourself. And that's honestly the magic of human design is that it brings together those two pieces. It's not only who we think we are, but it's also all the energetics and the stuff that's underneath the surface. My question is, like, I feel a lot of the things you said resonated with me. So would that just be part of... That would be part of my individual, like an individual chart, like things that you said, like I feel sensitive to, Mm. you know, and I'm a generator. So a lot of like, and I feel like I only want to work three hours a day too. Totally. Totally. (laughs) I'm not. Uh, Everyone walks into work. They're like, we're projectors. (laughs) Like there's tons of projectors. Um, I think that like, we're definitely oversimplifying tonight. So I think that there's like going to be a fuller picture and like, yeah, if you don't have the energy, I'm definitely not going to tell anyone to, you know, I think there are actually a number of different aspects of your design, which would be around like working in spurts. Um, but generators do tend to have like an energy they can rely on. Whereas projectors, like we're kind of leveraging other people's energy. So, so yeah, so there's definitely a fuller picture. So I would allow all those things to resonate with you. Okay. Got it. Thank you. And I would speak to, you know, I think, does everyone, do you guys feel like you're affected by energies and we're like empathetic? I think a lot, you know, I think, and that's the thing is coming into this age, we're realizing that everyone is affected by energy, you know, in a varying degree, but we are all energetic beings. We are affected by our surroundings. We're affected by the people around us. It's natural. And it's really nice that we're kind of stepping into knowing that because it's very important. And then I would say to, you know, as a projector working in the structure of a 40 hour work week. And and now what we do, I've really tuned into, um, deep work. If you guys know Cal Newport and his book, we're going to have him on the podcast, but it really speaks to actual deep work, like actually taking the three hours of my day to do deep uninterrupted, no phone, no messages, no calls, no anything and focusing on one thing at a time. And my ability to hold my energy as far as throughout the day or throughout the day is much stronger than what I would be doing before, which is on chat, doing an email on a call, you know, doing a hundred things was really draining for me rather than like deep work focus. And I would say too, like I got so much more energy when I started living by my design. So I think when I was out of alignment, I was thinking, okay, I need that like three hour work day. But then when I started to live more in my design and understand what was taking energy away from me, it just made sense. And I had so much more to give. And that's exactly it, especially for generators and manifesting generators. Like the more lit up you are by how you're spending your energy, like just the energy becomes like greater and greater and you can sustain it more and more. So that's such an important piece. How come that mine's not, my question's not in regards to my chart, but why is the manifesting generator the only one that actually has a combined? Oh my gosh. I totally forgot to tell. Yeah. Like why is it the only one that combines the two? Good question. Even though people feel like they are different. Yeah. 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 So yeah. 
Yeah. 100%. So, so yeah, the difference between the two. So let me just talk about manifesting generators first. So manifesting generators tend to move very quickly. Their gift is really that of efficiency and they tend to have their energy in a lot of different things at once. So these people often are made to like feel scattered or like they're doing too much, but they like, they kind of need to be doing all the things and it can feel super confining if they're doing like one job or one thing all day, every day. And so in terms of why it's the only one, so they are a generator at heart. They just have a manifesting capacity and that basically is the capacity to move incredibly quickly there's like some details in the chart that, but I don't want to get too much into it, but they basically can move like immediately into manifestation. Does that make sense? Um, so yeah, so there are generators at heart, which is why they have that strategy, but they do have all these manifesting qualities, which is why some of that's probably going to resonate too. Great. We have time for one last question. Hi everyone. Thank you so much. You guys have been incredible. Uh, so just to give you guys some context, I don't want to keep this as brief as possible. I am a projector and a five one and splenic. Uh, so I feel very in touch with my emotions and I feel that, um, naturally my strategy is to wait for the invitation. And I think that a lot in life, I'm, um, just to throw this out there, I'm a Leo, and I'm, I'm constantly just trying to help people, and I feel like I go beyond my boundaries when I'm not invited, a lot, and uh, typically, most of the times, so I'm always not invited, and I'm always... <laughs> but I just see uh, people in pain or people that need me, and I just invite myself right in and start helping them. Um, how do I practice this wait for the invitation, or how do we work on our strategy? Great question. You guys are asking all the things I forgot to say. So um, one thing, again, for projectors, like one of the shadows is that we just like settle for the wrong kind of energy exchanges because we're like desperate to just like be recognized and we want to help. And our role is to guide people. So that totally makes sense. But again, when you're not receiving anything in exchange, it's probably going to burn you out. So when I first found out the strategy, I was like kind of freaked out because I was like, I feel like I'm like a hustler. Are you saying that I have to like sit on my couch and wait for things to happen? That's not going to work out for me. Um, and so I think what I've really learned through being a projector is that it's really about making ourselves available and visible. So rather than pushing ourselves on anyone or anything, it's just be like, I'm going to share about what I'm doing in a super broad way and just like let the people that want to come, come, you know? And so whether that's through just like telling people and being like, this is what I do you know, I'm here, you know, or whether it's like giving talks or, you know, Instagram, whatever it is, but like projectors are meant to share what they're doing in like a super broad and authentic way. And like not in a hard sales kind of way. And so just like the people will come when they do. So I would say for you, it's like, you can just like make yourself available for it, but let them choose to step towards you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And I found too, that it, it, I, I resonate with that deeply. And the more that I focused on me and me being in my alignment and living my truth, the more I attracted things that were meant for me to help or be invited to. And I found myself almost doing the focus on others as a way to distract from my work and my shadow, you know, on, on a deep way. We're meant to give, we're meant to serve. We're all part of a community. We're really here to support one another. But for me, it was like a little bit of a distraction from like my work could be could ring true well it's recognizing yourself first is the most important piece yeah exactly 100 yes, percent. and that's what we're here to do it's a beautiful this is the best because it's the most fun to do self-study like we are consuming podcasts all of the things we're studying all these things but self-study can sometimes be the most rewarding and refreshing so this is a beautiful tool for that yeah 
This has been so incredible. And again, we're just scratching the surface. So I'd love for you to kind of share where they can learn more about human design through your work Mm -hmm. and all of that. I know we have a discount code as always, (laughs) y'all. You can find me at Erin Claire Jones everywhere on my website and Instagram, but I um, do private sessions, but I also, the discount code is for an offer called Blueprint, which is like the perfect place to get started. And I know some of you here actually have it. I got some notes from you, but it basically is a 30 page PDF on your design that I make. And it kind of gives you all the key pieces we talked about tonight and more and kind of tools to practice them. So it's kind of like your own manual and something you can like keep coming back to over and over again. Yeah. We got the blueprints and it was it was really powerful. It's really easy to understand and digest and everything was really actionable. So almost 30 is the code. If you guys want to get yours, it's, it's long, it's interesting. And I highly recommend bedside Bible bedside Bible. Yeah. It's good to read. Yeah. It's just nice to read before bed. I feel like before bed, you're very vulnerable. And when you first wake up, you kind of are open to a lot. So maybe that's where you place it, but thank you so much. Can we give it up for Aaron Claire? Thank you so much to Erin and thank you to everyone who came out to our show with her at the Assemblage on John Street. It was really, really special. Hope you enjoyed that. And if you haven't been to one of our shows yet, we would love to have you. So check it out, almost30podcast.com slash tour. And we'd love to read a review of the week. Uh, these We read every single one of them. We appreciate you and love you. This one, love these ladies, five stars. I have been listening to this podcast for just over a year now and it's my absolute favorite. I've learned so much from the wonderful guests brought on weekly and I am constantly inspired by the topics presented. I can't thank the girls enough for all the wonderful work they're doing. This podcast has helped me get back in touch with myself and sparked my spirit when it was truly dim. Keep the sweet stuff coming. Thank you. That is so sweet. And that is from Anne Lyon 7. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to our beautiful community. If you want to be a part of Almost 30 Nation, you already are because you're a listener, but we also have an ambassador program that helps women create community where they are. So we have ambassadors in over 80 cities all over the world. We just got our Dubai ambassador and they are helping to support and elevate each other where they are in the world. Mm -hmm. So the ambassador program and more information on that is available at almost30podcast.com. Yeah. Can't wait to meet you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with friends. Thanks for just being you. Thanks for being you. You're the best. Smile. All right. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye.